0: Welcome to this podcast, one in a series where we capture and share the stories of emerging entrepreneurs from London Business School. My name is Jeff Skinner, and over the years I've had the privilege of working with hundreds of LBS students and alums as they plot their new ventures. These podcasts are a way of sharing the fun and learning with others. Today I'm in conversation with James Chance, founder of Yourself Online. James is one of our most impatient breed of entrepreneur, building and launching his business and doing his MBA all at the same time. James, why don't you kick off by telling us what Yourself
1: Online does and the problem you thought it it could solve for the user? So Yourself Online helps individuals manage their online privacy and personal brands. And the problem we're really trying to solve is that we've been online now for decades and over that time we've lost sight of what our information looks like and who has access to it. So what we do is we effectively scan for people's information across the web. We review this information and then we give people personalised recommendations based on their personal and professional goals. We then also provide ongoing monitoring. So if anything changes, people will know about it. But primarily the aim of the service is to enable people to get things how they want them from a personal side. So for example, finding old content that's online about them and taking it down, changing their privacy settings so they're maybe less visible online. And then also help their professional goals. Say for example, getting recommendations of the sites they should be on to help their career professionally. And also some of the content that they should be talking about as well. All right. So this was a two-stage process, though, wasn't it? I mean, the idea of shaping
0: came after the the idea of actually exploring yes. what they've and does that characterize the whole of your journey? I mean, was it a light bulb moment where the entire concept just formed in your head? Or has this kind of been a slow evolving type of hunch
1: where the, the business has evolved? Definitely a more gradual process of evolution. So from the initial idea of thinking, hang on you know, people have lost sight of where their data is and what what it looks like through to the kind of firstly then understanding, you know, what are the types of things that people care about? How are people concerned? And then coming into the things of saying, well, okay, well, are people concerned about it enough to, to really pay for it? And then, and ultimately, what is the things that they'd like beyond that that would be the nice, you know, the things that could actually really turn it into quite an attractive service for somebody to subscribe to? So you quit the day job. And you came to LBS,
0: but the idea, the seed of the idea, was was there at that point. Why come and do an MBA rather than just go out and and, and launch the business? I mean, it's a question that I'm often
1: asked. Yeah. So what 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 value? Yeah, why, it, why that choice? It's it's good question. And the for me, I felt I was had a few different ideas, and I thought I was at the stage of my career where it'd be absolutely fantastic to take some time out to to really look at these and you know to give you the, the space to do them. I think, you know, LBS has fantastic wealth of opportunities, both in the programs it has and the alumni network, which, you know, being able to have a certain amount of experience under your belt in your career that you're credible, but being able to have two years free reign to really explore an idea and work on it in your spare time, and then also do courses that benefit that journey is fantastic. And then the icing on the cake is being able to approach, you know, some of our our alumni network and some of the contacts through the school and even outside of the school and and just, you know, really in a kind of sort of curious mindset and say, hey, you know, is this a problem that you feel? You know, how do you feel about this? And I think the MBA gives you the freedom to do that. And the kind of supported freedom is probably the best. Yeah.
0: And it's also the the legitimacy, isn't it? I'm a student at LBS and I'm inquiring about this. So many people Seem mystified about the process of turning an, an idea into a business. Because you had an idea when you came here, and you had the ambition to turn that into a business. In your case, what were the first steps? What did you do first to, as I say, to turn that idea and think about
1: it as a business rather than? So, he was coming into the MBA with with a sort of just almost a notepad of ideas of things and and things I'd kind of picked up on, and and I then started to you know the first term, of first year, I started to you know connect mainly through the clubs and societies with people with kind of entrepreneurial ideas and it's kind of in the same mindset and we we're swapping ideas around and stuff like that. And then we, we then came to February of my first year and we had our LBS hackathon, which is a weekend's to really, you know, you start off with an idea at the beginning and you kind of pitch your idea and then build a small team and then work on an idea for 48 hours and then pitch it to judges. And for that, I I was then thinking, you know, I've got these ideas, which one I really want to enter one, shall I do it? And it was really almost a bit of a last minute decision to be like, yeah, actually, this is going to sit on a piece of paper for a while until I actually, you know, really go and test it out there. So took it into the hackathon and that was great. And it went from... A 30 second pitch about people not understanding their online data and we're entering in a world where there's increasing privacy breaches and stuff like that through to an actual the end of the weekend having a kind of very basic MVP and an understanding of how it might go from an idea to a potential business and then some, some initial feedback from some potential customers on that as well. OK, so looking back at that stage, did you have any sense that you knew what you were
0: doing? I mean, you went into a hackathon because a hackathon was there. But was this kind of deliberate
1: or did you just know there was value in doing something? For me, I realised that, you know, balancing the MBA and these kind of ideas was I really needed to. I needed to have a sort of structured focus to actually take it further and say, is this something that is worth exploring further or is it something that should be parked and i think that was a, an awesome opportunity to it do just, that so it was a conscious kind of conscious thinking this is a good opportunity to really validate and keep going from there so it's there give it a go and i'm not quite sure what's going to come out of it but it's got to be good and it's only a weekend exactly but at the same time you're going to learn something from it as well
0: people associate hackathons with this this wonderful thing called an mvp or a minimum viable product my observation is that too often people see them as an end in themselves, rather than what I believe they should be, which is an experiment, some way of validating something that you don't know about the business. You touched on this a little bit, but what was the value of of that initial...
1: I mean, what was your MVP coming out of that, and what did it teach you? Good point. So for us, as I've been... Working on the idea since and, and has kind of built a team, we've always kind of tried to use the MVPs as a way of gathering feedback and it's ultimately answering questions to then get to the next thing. And for me, at the beginning in that in the hackathon, in the time we had, it was really able to answer the kind of market demand question of would people want it? Is this something people would be interested in using? And the initial MVP was just literally a, a you know a few different screens of a mock-up of an app that takes the idea from, a you know, a couple of lines to actually some visuals that would really show potentially how it could work. At that stage, we didn't have any idea of really the technicalities of how we'd actually build the thing for real. <laughs> but that's that's aside from it. And that's that's been a bigger hurdle since then. But yeah, I think that it was that, that kind of market demand question of, you know, is this something people would be interested in using?
0: There's such a temptation to go on measuring. And how you know when you have measured enough, whether you've got the degree of confidence
1: that you need and you say fine let's move on for us so far it's it's been quite subjective so we've interviewed in detail probably about close to kind of 60 customers now across a range of different user segments and it's really when you start to get people saying the same things in kind of when you're, you're getting to kind of hearing the same things 10, 12, 15 upwards time and, you know, you when you get to the point when you're interviewing something, someone and you know potentially what they're about to say before they say it, I think you get the feeling of you've got enough feedback on that and so then you, you can you, kind you, of move on. You just sense when you've hit diminishing returns. Yeah. So far, I know there is some – we're trying to we, – we know we are trying to get a little bit more metrics oriented and I know that the – but you recommended the book Lean Analytics – Really, really useful for, for that, an early stage kind of getting validation and kind of taking a quantitative approach to, you know, user feedback when it's generally quite qualitative. Right. And then coming out of there,
0: I imagine that it raised more questions than it answered. I mean, that's what competitions have a habit of doing. You know, you learn, you build confidence, uh, you test something, but but often you realise just how many more things you need to know before
1: you have anything that's truly yeah, viable. Yeah, exactly. So what did you do next? So after the the hackathon, I was fortunate enough to team up with Dimitrios, who was a colleague from my last job at Google, and he agreed to come on board as my technical co-founder. So I then sort of teamed up with him, and then we then started thinking think a bit about how, how we could take the initial MVP that we had, which was really around gauging customer demand, and then run it in a way where we could give the impression of an actual service so we then went into the idea of having a concierge or mechanical Turk type prototype and this would allow us to understand more around the technical feasibility of building a service and doing it manually to begin with with some increasing automation actually gathering people's information on the web across different sites analyzing that and, and looking for examples of where people's data is is probably on the web without their knowledge or their privacy is probably more than they think it probably is, and then actually presenting them back to them in a report. And that was the second NVP as it would be. And, and really get, doing that, stepping that through in using this kind of concierge approach, gave us the ability to to understand, you know, if we're going to automate it, then how would we automate it and what where would we go next? Right, okay. And this was a stage where you also, I mean, I observe, started to
0: commit to the idea in two different ways. The the, the first was that you decided not to do an internship, but instead spend the summer focusing on this, which gave you a a full two months to do something. I mean, what did you do and how did you use that that period of time?
1: So that was exactly that was the the first kind of commitment was having met Dimitrios, my, my technical lead, and got this initial concierge prototype going, the opportunity to then take the idea into the entrepreneurship summer school at LBS was really the next kind of clear step. And... Then it then became a case of trying to get the then prototype in front of as many people to get feedback on it, and really have a structured way of researching the different aspects of the business. And I think the sort of the structured research part of the Entrepreneurship Summer School was a fantastic way of doing that. And that then forced sort of giving that the sort of structured framework for the summer that meant that I could then shy out the the prototype with different user segments, understand which segment was receptive, think about the business model a bit more, start to maybe think about talking about what the commercials look like. And then that would give us a structured way of getting as much feedback as we could from that version of the prototype and the MVP, sort of V2 as it was at this point, to then be able to say where do we go from it next, and is this something to kind of commit to beyond the summer?
0: And the marvelous target our audience you have, i mean, I remember it. I remember your first online presence, and, and of course, then you could start using students as people to to test this out.
1: Exactly, and one of the fortunate things is our initial kind of target market group has been graduating master students, and also people who are a kind of a career inflection point, which a lot of people going through LBSR is there's a step change from one career to another and people are looking to manage their online data both in terms of you know their old photos old social media and kind of getting greater control over their privacy But then at the same time saying, "Okay, I'm looking to explore aspects in in a new industry. How can I represent myself in the best way and be in the right places for jobs in that new industry that I'm interested in exploring? Yeah, so they were the perfect target customer. 100%. Yeah, Okay. Now, the other
0: ways in which you committed a little unintentionally, uh, you channeled so much energy into the venture in that third term that your grade slipped and you didn't uh, get the first choice of exchange. But actually, this
1: ended up being a blessing in disguise uh, because you, you headed off to austin exactly and i have to admit that yeah the <laughs> coming from a non non or accounting background and and then trying to work on a, on a business idea most of your time and then also trying to do finance and accounting and all of this fun stuff in your first year it's a bit of a struggle but we got there There was there was not, no no fails it was all it was all fairly respectable but um you know I, I didn't get my you know first choice of exchange school as part of the exchange program but actually that was a possibly one of the the best things to come out of the NBA and and then moved over to Austin, Austin, Texas in the middle of uh, August. And Austin is, is you know, one of the fastest growing cities in the U S right now. And they have a huge tech boom, a lot of money coming out of San Francisco and the, the Valley going into Austin and other places as well. And a kind of blossoming entrepreneurial ecosystem as part of the university. So It was fantastic to take the idea and the work we've done so far and and kind of road test it in Austin and kind of plug into the tech ecosystem there and and the kind of some of the experience of people coming out of the Bay. And that gave us a bit of ability to kind of have new perspectives on the idea and also reflect on where we've gone so far, and, and actually start to think a bit more seriously about, you know, what are the next steps? What is how much te- how much of a size of a team we're going to need? What does the potential financial forecast look like? Does it kind of wash its face? And, and
0: actually mix with people who've been
1: through that. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, we were, were able to to work with people over there that had you know exited companies to people like Salesforce and, you know, gone through the, the sort of VC fundraising thing as well. And, and you know, to then get their advice at that point in the journey was fantastic.
0: So gotta ask, have you ever been concerned about socializing your idea so much that, that others nick it? Good
1: question. And it, it's something I I grappled with a little bit at the at the early stage. And then as I found that I was working on the idea more and as we got a team together, actually realized that we've been working on it now for over a year and there's still things that we know that are potential risks and things that we're going to struggle with from a technical perspective to get it where we want it to go. And I was really thinking that actually if we are this far down and and coming from a background from the kind of tech space before, I think anyone who's coming at it from a standing start is going to be is is going to be difficult. And I think also on the flip side of that the benefits in in vocalizing it in terms of the the feedback that you get far outweighs operating in a vacuum. Yeah. Okay. Anybody who is, is a is a hermit. Yeah. How can they ever expect yeah, it exactly, easy, exactly and, and yeah. you know getting feedback and the the way, the amount of times of being able to share the, the kind of details of people and then it driving another direction or it being a kind of oh there's this or there's that. Yeah. And has the idea
0: changed much since the beginning? I mean, are you still solving the same problem for the same people?
1: It's, it's evolved as we've spoken to different people and also as we found out more about what we can and can't do. The major thing that we found testing the idea and with the initial concierge prototype, so MVP version 2, we then realised that people cared about their online privacy. Whether they were actually willing to pay for it was another thing. And this was the first one, the first kind of learning. And that sort of pivoted the direction a little bit into thinking about, well, what's next and how we can actually go more around the the personal branding side as, as well as privacy. Otherwise, we'd have something that would be very nice, but I think people would struggle to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So that was that's the sort of they've been the sort of the direction we've kind of moved in, and then additional target segments where people have said, you know, what about different kind of markets that we've never really thought of? These kind of edge edge case markets and stuff. So it's that's been good. Mm-hmm. And the ideas also, I think, moved in. I'm telling me if I'm wrong here, was I moved
0: from just assessing your online presence to helping people to shape it. Exactly. Yeah. The danger with a business like this is that people plug in, get their online presence, say thank you very much and you never see them again. You know, where's the long term value
1: in the in the relationship that you can build up with a with a with a user? Good question. And this was this is something that has evolved as we've been working on the idea and, you know, we've understood and we've sort of spoken to spoken to users and for us it's it's moving from just being in a reactive sort of mode where giving people a snapshot of where their data is and and what it looks like to being more proactive and actually giving people recommendations based on their goals and their kind of career goals and, and maybe personal goals as well as to how they can manage their online data. And as their online lives change, you know being there for our users so as people you know say move into new jobs or promotions or say for example go and speak at conferences or something then we can be there to provide them with advice about how they can you know represent themselves in the best way okay so as their as their online lives evolve
0: and as their lives evolve you're the place that they turn to for advice on
1: what i now need how I'm going to be seen and what I need to do about it. Exactly. And there's there's interesting things that we've discovered from speaking to people so far, and, and how they use the web, very much changes as people go through both different personal life stages and professional life stages, and what it means to them on different sites they interact with, change in that over that time. So has in any way this changed from a B two C business into a B two B business? Yes. It. it as we've kind of gone through the different, you know, different iterations and spoken to different people and got feedback, it has moved from initially a B to C product to a B to B to C product. So our intention is always very much to to focus on the end customer and the user, and it's very much that individual's data that it should always be their data, and it's something that's very personal. But you know, the benefits for managing that data more closely and and being on top of it is something that's applicable for both individuals, but also organisations as well sometimes. So say, for example, take a professional services firm, say a consulting firm, for them to be able to provide our service, their employees as an additional benefit is something that benefits their employees in terms of having an understanding of their data and their privacy, but also benefits the organisation as the individual can build out their online presence to give them greater voice in the markets And, you know, to actually be more proactive, you know, around their professional goals and actually talking about what they're working on professionally, that will have a benefit for the organisation as well. I mean, I, I suppose the trend here is that people's personal and professional lives are just merging into one. I mean, they're indistinguishable. You have an online presence. That's it. Exactly. And people are viewing it as they want to stay on top of both. And their personal lives online does become part of their professional profiles as well. how easy it is to look people up and you know how the you know different sites in some ways are converging. I mean it seems to me where we're heading is the need for 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 laws against discrimination against your former self. Uh, No completely and we're in an age now where it's never been as easy to really make deductions about people based on the information they have online and, and what they've done in their past and one of the principles that we have behind the business is that people ultimately should be the masters of their own online legacy. One huge concern for the lone founder is the team, how you find partners and
0: and how much of your business to give them. But you started off as one. Are you now two?
1: I don't think you are two. You're more than two now, aren't you? So we have three of us near enough full time. And then we have four people on a part time basis that are mainly on the technical sides, and doing things like product management. And so I was fortunate that my technical co-founder was an engineer that worked with me when I was at Google. And he is a sort of like a lot of, of kind of engineers they're kind of they're motivated in curious ways and for him he just left work because he really was looking for kind of what's next in terms of the next project and for him he was interested in the idea and and kind of had some knowledge of the space and especially when you got into some that some of the things around some of the analysis we do and some of the bits of ai we're using as well so that was his kind of motivations and he kind of came on to help build the concierge prototype and it's been on there from since and then the you know the rest of the team I really grew through my network at the MBA. So then having having to, Demetrius to join my team, Raquel uh, joined my team, and she's a colleague that I met in my in my stream on the, on the MBA. Has background in, in product management and product marketing, and we just you know we were both kind of bouncing around ideas around where we where it could go, and and then from there we've then had two colleagues from the first year of the MBA join us as, as kind of interns in product marketing and actually using the school's kind of connections and through introductions we've then recruited two experienced computer science students from King's College so that's it's sort of grown mainly through the school network which has been yeah, fantastic it's Fantastic, isn't it it's great and another common dilemma is
0: fundraising you've got to be figuring out and balancing whether you you want to bootstrap and keep it all or whether it's actually a bit of a land grab and you've got to scale fast because I mean the idea itself is great but you can kind of see it becoming
1: ubiquitous so there is a sense there that you're in a hurry. Exactly I mean that's the thing I I occasionally wake up at 3am in the morning thinking and how many people have joined the site this week and uh uh, and all all of those kind of you know, what keeps you up at night, Dilemmas. But for us, so far, we sort of self-funded. was fortunate enough to have sort of pre-seed capital from a, a business competition at uh, South by Southwest in uh, the Tech Festival in Austin, which we were part of in, in March. And we're thankful for the uh, the University of Texas and South by Southwest for having us there as well. And and that's been well along the way. And now we're, we're really at that point of, of kind of fundraising. And for us, I think it is a case of, we, we carry on as long as we can to to really validate the things we need to from bootstrap some of the funding we have and then position ourselves as best we can to do a, a fundraise that's that's kind of allows us to get a meaningful amount of momentum on the idea and actually you know keep the size of the team we have and and really push on some of the leads we've we've got so far and keep the product going along the roadmap we've kind of got. But there must be that dilemma
0: in the, yeah, as well as keeping yourself awake at three o'clock in the morning wondering whether anybody signed up to the service. Who else is developing this? And actually, do I need
1: to raise the several million in one go in order to be able to scale fast? Timing is a really difficult one. And I think with the timing piece, you're balancing the user needs and the kind of user awareness bit around the kind of what else, the where are your competitors at? And we've been quite we, you know we're mainly looking to the US to see who is moving in the space and funny enough we have seen two more players launch this year since having been working on the idea since you know April last year we sort of started to see it and we, we are actively tracking that and that's one of the things we're doing doing quite a lot and it, it's just that sweet spot of trying to get the right, amount of user momentum and actually seeing the space warming up and having, you know, I think users are much more aware this year of their online privacy and their personal data than they've ever been. At the same time, you know, we're starting to see more people looking at the space. Investors are actually thinking, yes, this could actually be the next kind of category. And hopefully we're coming to the sweet spot between all three of those and, and being in hopefully in the right place at the right time. You've
0: managed to balance the demands of the MBA course with the desire to build the business. Did you ever consider doing the cliched thing and dropping out to throw yourself all the way in it? You know, you hear so many stories of entrepreneurs
1: who said they dropped out of college to start their business. But here you are. Yeah, I'm still here. Still here just about. I mean, the last term was fairly close, I'd say, in terms of getting all the electives wrapped up. Towards the end, I have to admit there was a point where you're you're balancing so many things, and and I think coming at the you know the courses and and the course you know some of the lectures with the same eyes as you did in the first term and day one is is difficult, but the thing with the I think with the brilliant thing about the electives at LBS is I'd always pick my electives to be kind of fairly super relevant to what I was doing. So you know going into things like you know the managing the growing business course things like leading teams and organizations just absolutely fantastic and having at that point things that were quite actionable and it just being in the point where you know you, we just say for example leading teams and organizations we're talking about you know how you can build your kind of mission culture values purpose kind of piece and then talking about that one week and then getting the team together and we had a meeting a couple of weeks ago where we actually sort of sat down for a room for half a day and we're like well what do we want to be and being able to take stuff straight out of the course and actually really apply it and then actually see some of the results and see things move was was what kind of kept me there. And next step, you're into the incubator maybe. Yes, so that's coming up. That's reminding me it's on my to-do list. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've still got a couple of weeks yet. We are looking at accelerator programmes both in the US and, and the UK and have a number of different kind of irons in the fire for that. And then for us, we're having... Having in the early stages of having discussions with with investors about, you know, taking the business forwards and ideally trying to keep the team together and keep going with the momentum we have. And for me, what would be absolutely fantastic would be to get to the point where it comes to graduation in the, the beginning of July with just that certainty of, you know, having the next year or so to kind of continue the work we've been doing. So, look, James, thanks so much for spending the time with us.
0: I mean, what comes out of this, from my perspective, is the... The, the method, I mean, you may not have known what method you were going to be using to build this business, the process, but clearly this has been a very structured, ordered process of evidence gathering and then acting on that evidence. So there's clear structure and clear rigor, it's, it seems to me, in which the, the way in which this business is building up. And I'm going to be uh, fascinated and privileged to see how it uh, grows over the next couple of years. So thank you. Thanks, Jeff. So thank you for listening uh, to this, our second episode in a podcast on entrepreneurship. For more on entrepreneurship and the different ways in which we equip entrepreneurs here at LBS, go to london.edu forward slash innovation and follow us on Twitter at LBS Entrepreneurship.